everyone. It's great to be with you all. And I'm just so blessed uh, to connect with another stream of what God's doing during uh, this lockdown period and the way he's united people in prayer, worship and prayer and uh, through Zoom calls like this. It's amazing. I just finished a 12 hour, 13 hour uh, prayer focus for Shavuot or the day of Pentecost here in Jerusalem. Uh, we started at six in the morning and just finished before I joined this group. And it's been awesome. It was they're praying around the world. We started in Jerusalem and then went to Fiji and uh, the Cook Islands and Pacific Islands and started from the Far East all the way across to North America, uh, to U.S. and Canada, and then came back to the Middle East and finished just the last couple hours here in Jerusalem. So it's been a full day of uh, worship and prayer with wonderful believers all over the world who have a heart for Israel. And it's great to join you and share a bit about what's happening in the Middle East. Um, I'm going to jump into a teaching that I do from uh, Isaiah chapter 19, because for a lot of people, uh, they may not have the, the foundation or background of what that chapter is all about. And I would love to help you in that, just to lay some, some foundation of what God says in that unique passage about what he's going to do in the nations of the Middle East. And I believe the context of it is uh, as we're preparing for the return of Jesus and uh, all that uh, he says is going to happen, you really can't really take it for what it says unless you put it in the context of the, the last day where Jesus comes back and what he's going to do in the nations to establish his kingdom on earth and to manifest that kingdom here on the earth. So uh, it's an amazing chapter. It's got 25 verses. I'm going to try to share my screen with you and begin uh, quickly to go through it. And uh, <clears throat> so what it speaks about, what's unique about it is it actually talks about God himself is going to raise up all across the Middle East, a highway facilitating worship of him from the peoples of the Middle East. And so in order to give a, a fuller explanation of this, some years ago, I finished a book called Living Fully for the Fulfillment of Isaiah 19, when Egypt, Assyria, and Israel will become a blessing in the midst of the earth, which is one of the verses in Isaiah 19. And it's uh, amazing to consider that. It's available on Amazon uh, in the U.S. and U.K. if you search for that. But it's just a little graphic here to help people get oriented to what nations and area we're talking about. Egypt, of course, is here in this area, uh, southwest part of the Middle East. And then Assyria is all of this area, kind of more in the northeast. And the capital of, of uh, Assyria was Nineveh, which is near to the present-day city of Mosul in northern Iraq, Kurdistan area. And it spread out through the nations of the Middle East, what we call the Middle East today, and covered you know, parts of Turkey, Iran, even Armenia, down into Kuwait and Saudi Arabia, also Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and even Cyprus, all of those nations were influenced by the empire of Assyria. And when we consider the prophecy in uh, Isaiah 19, 
we believe God's saying it's going to impact all of those nations. So we pray for those nations uh, as they're included in God's purposes and plans with Egypt and also with, of course, Israel. And uh, so just quickly, I'm going to go through and break down this chapter for you because, again, it's outstanding. Some of the language from this chapter is just uh, extraordinary in terms of what God says he's going to do. And it starts off as a burden uh, to Isaiah against Egypt. And he says, Behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and will come into Egypt. The idols of Egypt will totter at his presence and the heart of Egypt will melt in its midst. And that's what we see God's intention is to come and actually begin a process of tearing down the spiritual strongholds that have influenced the people of Egypt all through their history. And as he does that, the hearts of the Egyptians will actually melt within them. They'll, they'll just uh, begin to fail because they've trusted so much throughout their history in those idols. And the whole first section of Isaiah 19 is about Egypt, God's righteous judgments against the idols of Egypt. And it goes on to speak in the first few verses how the nation of Egypt is going to be in conflict, uh, Egyptian against Egyptian, and there's going to be terrible civil conflict that's going to lead them even to cry out more to their idols because they haven't yet turned to the Lord. But during that time, he says he's also going to send a cruel master king to rule over Egypt. And as you study it out more, I believe that that actually relates to the, the reign of the Antichrist as he comes to conquer many of the nations of the Middle East. And so he'll even overcome, uh, Daniel chapter 11 says he'll rule over Egypt for a period of time and gather its, uh, its resources, its finances, riches. And so they'll cry out to God because of uh, the terrible thing happening in their nation. And then it goes on here in verses five to talk about uh, the environmental disaster that's going to affect the nation of Egypt. And basically, this is a photo we took some years ago uh, near the city of Aswan of upper, in Upper Egypt of the Nile River coming into Egypt. But it says in verses five to eight that the river, the Nile, will be wasted and dried up, which is incredible for the nation of Egypt. That's its lifeblood in terms of water. Uh, they have 95% of the population of Egypt live on 5% of the land on either side of the Nile. The rest of Egypt is a desert. And uh, so it's just amazing if the Nile dries up, then it's going to destroy their economy, uh, which goes on to say it's going to collapse the economy. And then in verses 11 to 15, it says that there'll be a political breakdown through confusion and turmoil, that the the leaders of Egypt will not know how to respond to what God is doing and these judgments that keep coming against the nation of Egypt. Uh, and at that point, then the chapter, there's a dramatic shift. And I'm just going so quickly through this to give you a foretaste of it. But in verse 16, things shift to uh, away from the focus of God's judgment and striking of Egypt with his judgments to what's going to come out of uh, those judgments. And so we've taken 
those outcomes that God says he's going to bring forth out of Egypt uh, during that time and turned it into prayer. We've said, well, why can't we just take God's word and begin to proclaim it back to him, uh, declaring what he wants to do in the nation of Egypt and other nations of the Middle East. So that's, I'll go quickly through these and they're in my book. And of course you can study it in the scriptures yourself and see that he says in that day, in the day when his judgments are striking Egypt, Egypt will be like women and will be afraid and fear because of the waving of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he waves over it. And the land of Judah will be a terror to Egypt. Everyone who makes mention of it will be afraid in himself because of the counsel of the Lord of hosts, which he has determined against it. It's amazing. In those two verses, four times the word related to fear is used by Isaiah there. So there's a tremendous overwhelming fear that comes upon them in the time of these judgments striking Egypt. And uh, we believe that's something to pray into, that that's what God intends to do. And uh, he wants to release the fear of God in the land of Egypt. So we can pray and just turn uh, what he says in scripture into a prayer that, Lord, would you wave your mighty hand of Egypt so that they cry out for your salvation release the spirit of the fear of the Lord throughout Egypt and confront the ungodly leaders who resist you. Pour your spirit out upon the body of Christ. Raise up apostolic and prophetic leadership to lead the nation into your kingdom. So that's a wonderful way to take God's word and pray it back to him. The next verse in chapter 19 is verse 18. It says, In that day five cities in the land of Egypt will speak the language of Canaan and swear by the Lord of hosts, one will be called the city of the sun. Again, I, I love teaching on this. Sometimes I, I take hours to teach in certain settings on this chapter. But it's this is amazing. It's giving us information of what God wants to do. When the judgments are going to unfold, there'll be five cities in the land of Egypt speaking the language of Canaan, which is the land of Israel today. And, and they speak Hebrew. So... Do we see Egyptians wanting to learn Hebrew? Actually, in the last many years, there's been a phenomenon sweeping across the land of Egypt among believers, where many of them are starting to learn Hebrew and even sing worship songs in Hebrew and uh, begin to understand God's heart for Israel in fresh ways. And we believe these cities are going to be places where uh, they will find refuge, the Egyptians, in the time, much like the city, the cities of Goshen and, and the time when the children of Israel were in Egypt and God was striking Egypt with plagues and judgment at that time. But there'll also be places where Jews, when they may need to flee for refuge in a time of tribulation at the end, would come and find believers in Egypt who speak the language of Canaan, speak Hebrew and can help and welcome them. And they say also that these cities, the, the people in it, will, they will swear by the Lord of hosts. Well, that's the other indicator that these are people who believe in the God of Israel. They understand God's plan through the Messiah. And they're on his side of what's happening at the end of the age before Jesus comes back. So they swear by the Lord of hosts. They swear allegiance to him and to his kingdom. And uh, we're seeing these amazing expressions of the fulfillment of these things already beginning to unfold in Egypt among believers. 
So we can pray into that. Lord, bring a spirit of revival in the five cities. Raise them up so they swear allegiance to you and release a spirit of dedication, revival, and boldness in the cities within Egypt. Come in your power to awaken these communities with an unusual outpouring of the Holy Spirit and prepare them as places of revival and refuge. And then it goes on in verses 19 and 20 and says, In that time again of the judgment and the day of the Lord, there'll be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar will be established to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. For they will cry out to the Lord because of their oppressors, the Antichrist and others, and oppressing them. He will send them a savior and a mighty one, and he will deliver them. We believe that's actually the return of Jesus as he comes back and delivers the Jewish people and the time of their tribulation there in Israel and around the city of Jerusalem. But also he'll come to Egypt and deliver the Egyptians crying out to him. So we pray for that. Lord, raise up an altar, worship and prayer. And we're seeing a dramatic increase of worship and prayer all through the land of Egypt. We uh, network with a lot of houses of prayer across the Middle East, and uh, we've estimated now in the last 20 years, maybe 80 houses of prayer have been established all through the nations of the Middle East, and probably half of those, 30 to 40 of them, are in the land of Egypt. Uh, just, you know, There's houses of prayer all over the Middle East, but half of them in the land of Egypt. It's just incredible what God's doing there. The worship and prayer of rising in that nation and uh, they're learning to prepare for these days and so then it goes up to 22 says then the Lord will be known to Egypt and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day and make sacrifice and offering yes they will make a vow to the Lord and perform it and the Lord will strike Egypt he will strike it and heal it they will return to the Lord and he will be entreated by them and heal them. So here's he's, he's giving another just dramatic, extraordinary declaration about Egypt. Because many of us, uh, those of us who love Israel and pray for Israel, know from Romans 11 that when God brings forth the fullness of the Gentiles and there's a provoking of godly jealousy among the Jewish people, all Israel will be saved as Yeshua is preparing to return back. But this also says, that through what's going to happen in the judgments at the end of this age, all of Egypt will come to know the Lord. Those who survive this time and make it through the judgments uh, and this shaking and purifying in the land of Egypt will know the Lord and they will sincerely worship him, offering sacrifices and, and so on, vows to the Lord. So when he strikes them, it's in order for them to cry out to him and he'll come and heal them. What an amazing uh, plan God has at the end of the age, all through the nations. So we agree with that. Lord, we want to see you come to Egypt, that they would know you intimately. So move deeply in their hearts, that they would repent, turn fully to you, their father and their true God, and cause them to enter into a deep, intimate relationship with you, full of obedience and sincere worship. And then it goes on, and this is some of the closing verses of the chapter that are more familiar to many people. And in that day, verse 23, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians will come into Egypt, 
and the Egyptians into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship together with the Assyrians. So this is a, a declaration of what is going to be happening spiritually and the transformation taking place in Egypt, even through the time of God's shaking and what he's done already to prepare believers for that time is going to grow into uh, and multiply into such a move of the spirit that there's going to be like this highway from Egypt all through the nations of Assyria and they're going to be going back and forth worshiping together uh, the same God, the true God, uh, the God of Israel. And, and it's awesome what he's doing between those nations, reconciling uh, Middle Easterners all through those nations as they go back and forth. So that's why we're seeing houses of prayer raised up all through these nations. So they have places to come from and go to to worship all with one another in the fulfillment of this word. So we pray into that, Lord, bring true unity between Egyptian and Assyrian believers, those, of course, represented in Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Cyprus, Turkey, Iran, as the first fruit, so that they may fully cooperate together to raise up worship unto you all across the entire Middle East. And we're seeing that happen more and more all through the what the Lord is doing through this time. It's amazing that I've been on just almost daily and weekly, certainly, uh, worship and prayer calls with Middle Easterners uh, who before we would have to wait till we could get together in a safe place and meet with one another. Now we're uh, regularly on Zoom, you know, secure Zoom calls, worshiping and praying together and just building those relationships in worship uh, of the Lord together. So it's happening, it's multiplying, it's strengthened, being strengthened even in this time. Then verse 24 uh, goes beyond just what God's going to do in the nations of Egypt and Assyria, the Middle East. It says, in that day, Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth. Of course, God's got to reconcile and bring in the people of Israel, graft them back in to the olive tree and establish what he has originally planned with the, the people of Israel, restoring them. Uh, in their own land, uh, and as the people of God who would receive the Messiah who was coming to reign from Jerusalem over the nation of Israel and over all the nations of the earth. And it's awesome to see that now Israel is realizing many of the believers here, uh, Jewish and Arab believers together, reconciling together greater and greater unity, but also recognizing how much they need their brothers and sisters in the other nations around in Egypt and Assyria, those representing uh, Ishmael and others of the family of Abraham to be reconciled together. So when that happens, when those brothers, uh, Psalm 133, are coming together in unity, God says he's going to command a blessing. And that's the blessing that Isaiah speaks about here in the midst of the earth, which is really... I see it as the manifestation of God's kingdom through Yeshua, through Jesus as the Messiah, who's reconciled uh, Jew and Gentile together in the Middle East. So we pray for that. Uh, release that supernatural unity, blessing the whole world. Lord, unify Jewish and Arab believers in your great love, according to your prayer in John 17, as the first fruits of this awesome expression of your kingdom rule upon the earth, and cause all the world to see your calling on these nations to worship and serve together with joy.
So we just want to, I want to encourage you to pray for these nations because it seems to be the consummation of what Jesus went to the cross for to see these come together, these Jews and Gentiles of the Middle East experiencing what he can do in their hearts of forgiveness and love and worship together, reconciled, and then a blessing comes forth and will uh, spread out all over the earth as he returns and uh, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, we understand. So the final verse is a declaration from the Lord himself when this is all taken place. It says, the Lord of hosts shall bless them, saying, blessed is Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. And again, we can pray over that, Lord accomplishes your purposes in Egypt, Assyria, and Israel unto the establishing of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Bring forth the inheritance of your son among the nations. Let him alone possess the hearts of the peoples of the earth, Psalm 2. So those are the proclamations. You can just read it out of scripture and agree and say, Lord, in that day, I agree, you're going to bring this forth in Egypt in the nations of Assyria and together with Israel. So, I just want to finish with uh, one other verse that's become very significant as well, moving to Jerusalem more recently and after working for many years uh, from Cyprus and across the nations of the Middle East, we're now living in, in Jerusalem, continuing the vision for Isaiah 19 to be fulfilled, but also recognizing when that happens, this can happen, Zechariah chapter 14. Another amazing prophetic passage uh, where Zechariah says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who's left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. The family of Egypt, interesting that Egypt's highlighted here as well, will not come up and enter in. They shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. What an amazing declaration that we see there and understand that God's heart is to reconcile these nations in order so they can all worship the true God through his son, the Messiah. And that when that son comes to reign as king, he wants them to come up to Jerusalem to celebrate and worship with him every year from those nations. And again, he specifically singles out Egypt because the Egypt represents generally through the history of God's redemptive purposes the nations, uh, and many times <clears throat> the, the nations who are opposed to God's kingdom with Israel and his plan. He's going to bring a great transformation and, and turn their hearts around and, and bring them into uh, a reconciled relationship with himself and with one another where they can all worship together. And we're seeing that. We just, again, I finished this 12, 13 hour prayer call and we had one of the closing sets was for Isaiah 19. We had a whole number of believers in Egypt uh, worshiping and praying together from a home there in Egypt on Zoom and blessing Israel, singing the 
Aaronic blessing over the brothers and sisters in Israel and friends from Lebanon were worshiping and praying. Uh, many others around the Middle East were joining in worship and prayer. And then we finished with Hebrew worship in Israel on Zoom just a few hours ago. It's happening. And it's going to happen more and more before Jesus comes back. And so just want to encourage you in your prayers as you're praying for your city, uh, as you stop and you pray those, those 10 days before Pentecost and now in the fall, 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the days of awe leading up to the Feast of Tabernacles. I believe God wants to give you increased understanding, revelation that this is preparing for his return, for this, his son to return and rule over the nations. And I ask you to pray for the nations of the Middle East. Include Isaiah 19 in your hearts as you're praying during those, those days when you stop and pray for your city, for your nation, because I think it's, it's tied intricately together into God's kingdom purposes and plans for what he wants to do to bring forth his kingdom. So thank you. Thank you, Grant, uh, for the opportunity to join you and Jonathan here and meet new friends who are really taking God seriously to stop and pray and uh, just love what you, God's doing in your hearts. So Amen, any Tom. final comments or questions? I don't know yes. if we have any. Um, would you lead us in a brief prayer uh, for this focus, but in particular for us to gain a deeper download in the spirit from the Lord related to uh, what you've laid out to us um, with Isaiah 19. Certainly, I'd love to do that and just encourage you again. It's a time not only to be going uh, deep into to prayer and spending time in uh, many hours in prayer and worship, but going deep in the word. We need to get the scriptures deep in our hearts with revelation by the Holy Spirit for the days ahead, because that's what's going to really help us uh, see his kingdom come. So, Father, we just thank you that, Lord, you're doing a, a wonderful work in your body all over the earth and through these brothers and sisters connected through the 10 days of prayer leading up to the, the time of Pentecost and the outpouring of your spirit, which we're all longing and seeking for in these days. And, Lord, we just thank you that you are moving and, and your spirit is, is brooding over the earth and over the hearts of your people. Lord, you're searching the hearts, Lord, uh, to see those hearts that are fully committed to you, that you would show yourself mighty on our behalf and display your power and your glory, your signs and wonders in these last days that will reveal your son to those who not yet, don't yet know you. So, Lord, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters here on this call and others who've been connecting through this 10 days of, of prayer. Lord, I ask you for the outpouring of your spirit and revelation of what you're doing in the nations of the Middle East and what your word says and declares in Isaiah 19 and so many other related passages, Zechariah, Zechariah 14, Lord, and other parts of the prophets and even into the New Testament, as we see in the book of Revelation, all that's going to transpire in Jerusalem and around the, the nations of the Middle East before you return. Lord, we need you to give us understanding a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and of your word. And Lord, that we could run with you in all that you're going to do in our cities, in our nations, together with the nations of the Middle East, with the nation of Israel, to see your kingdom come 
on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we know we're coming near to that time and we thank you that we're a part of what you're doing and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.